0: Welcome to the first episode of The Coaching Call. I'm your host, Travis McKenzie. And this is an unedited, unfiltered look at my personal journey back to sport. As you'll hear over the next four months, I have some big goals in the gravel cycling world and I want to share that journey with you. For context, I've spent the last two and a half years building my business in a Voice and NTSQ Sports Group, supporting my wife Lauren in her own running goals and helping raise our two-year-old daughter Adelina. As you'll hear, I've lost touch with myself and my own athletic goals. I've fallen victim to many excuses, not having enough time, I'm too busy to train, things like that. I want to shift my own mindset and hopefully help you shift your mindset of what is possible too. Today and every week, I'm joined by Jasper Blake, who is the founding head coach of B78 Coaching. He's also a legend of Canadian triathlon and one of the wisest people in the endurance sports world. The coaching call is designed to keep me accountable during my build-up, but more importantly, it's a chance to share knowledge and interact with you, the inner voice community. In the future, we'll take questions, delve further into the ups and downs that come with setting goals and the build-up to big challenges. You can follow along with my progress on Strava, and if you're interested in pursuing your own goals in endurance sports, Jasper is your guide. You can find Jasper's contact details in the show notes. The Coaching Call is a part of the Inner Voice audio experience. If you enjoy this episode, please share it with a friend, subscribe to our channel, and leave a five-star review wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. For now, enjoy episode one of The Coaching Call with Trav and Jasper. Jasper, how are you, mate? It's so good to be talking to you. Uh, To fill in some context here, I'm sitting here in Boston. It's the day after the Boston Marathon. You're, you're over in Victoria. This is the first coaching call. Uh, we don't really know where this is going to go, but I'm excited to give it a shot. How are you?
1: I'm well. I'm well, and I was so excited to hear about Lauren and her finish at the Boston Marathon, and uh, we had a couple people over there as well, and it uh, just looked like an amazing day as it always is in, in Boston.
0: Yeah, you and I were talking before we started recording, and um, I was—it was actually my first time um, being at the race, and it was cool for it to be in the hometown. And uh, my wife Lauren was running; it was her fifth Boston Marathon. Uh, She had some of her family in town. Uh, I was able to give a shout to Steph, who's another B seventy-eight athlete and coach, and I saw Chad out there. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a really inspiring day. I kind of left, you know, jazzed up for. For stuff that I want to take on as well which is really cool
1: yeah it's uh I've never been and I've never even been to Boston but of course uh you know the the most iconic marathon uh on the planet really and uh it's neat to see all the photos that come back over social media and the stories and uh you know just it's uh it's a tough race too you know like they uh, a lot of downhill stuff uh which beats your legs up and then you got to you got to claw your way back and try to finish strong. So yeah, it was. It's neat. It's always neat to hear uh, people's stories from the the big stages.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think you know we've both been to many many Ironmans, and I think marathons are a different beast. And even the marathons I've been to, you kind of witness, you know, that human um, interest story where people are. You know, there's thirty thousand people in that race, and every one of those people have a different story to tell but just the like the spirit of human beings was what I took away from it like everyone you know whether it was a grimace it was still a a grimace of uh accomplishment or a smile of accomplishment and to be able to witness that is really special and you know I'd never never seen it as I said but um yeah it just was yeah, an awe-inspiring day. I would in- encourage anyone, even if you don't have any interest in running a marathon or, or what have you, but to just to see it, you know, is a, is a once in a lifetime, and I'm sure to run it would be great as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, very cool. Yeah, yeah, it's
0: uh, a special place. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, I want to give a bit of context on on the why, uh, where we're even having this call. Um, so, Jasper Blake. Uh, head coach, uh, founding head coach of B78 Coaching, um, based out in BC. Uh, you and I have known each other for quite a few years now. Um, uh, I knew you as the the little guy who won Man Canada, uh, and uh, was always <laughs> was always uh, stoked um, whenever we got a, a chance to to meet and talk. And then we started working together. Um, I was a coach for B78 for a while, and um, you and I have had many. Stops and starts as a, I guess, a coach athlete relationship. Um, more so, me just uh, you know, th- life happening and and different circumstances. Um, but why don't we, for anyone who hasn't heard of you or B seventy eight, maybe give them a quick intro into into you and and the business.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, we have we've had a few stops and starts, but I think that's fairly typical of of uh somebody who lives a very busy, thriving life like you do. You know, it's it's hard to always fit in the structured training. And um so it's it's you know, first of all, it's just fun to have you back on and you've got some really cool things on the on the program for this year. Um that I I'm excited to help you get ready for. So uh that'll be cool. We'll probably dive into that in a little bit. But yeah, I uh you know, I spent the better part of two decades as a as a pro tra athlete. I was Racing all over the place and kind of bouncing between Olympic distance stuff and, and Ironman. And, um, you know, early on, I, I had my set, my sight set on Olympics. Um, and I, I made a go of that, uh, in the late nineties and early two thousands. Uh, never made it there, but had some, you know, reasonable success on the short course scene. Um, never, never quite to the level that you need to, to qualify. Um, for the games, um, but still learned, you know, a ton racing kind of the higher end stuff. Um, And then, you know, really made a move to Ironman in those early 2000 years. uh, I did my first Ironman in 2000. It was Ironman Canada. Um, And I came off of basically a short course season. I did have intent to race Ironman, but I was more just testing the waters just to see how it would go. And, um, I ended up fourth in that first one. And, uh, I was like, Oh my gosh, I think this is where I probably belong. Um, and what I loved about it so much was just that it was such a race of attrition, you know, like, uh, it was so much mind over matter, um, whether you can kind of keep going when your body's telling you that this is ridiculous and you should, you should not keep going. Um, and I loved that, you know, ever since I was a teenager, I loved, that type of a challenge. Um, I used to be a downhill ski racer and we'd have uh, physical testing a few times a year. And we'd always do these tests that were kind of like body weight squats, as many as you can do, or, you know, a certain type of sit up as many times as you could do it. And uh, I just loved those things. And I would uh, always go way overboard um, and kind of destroy myself uh, in the, in the name of just getting a few more reps so the uh the Ironman space uh really lent itself to me being able to uh endure some self-punishment for, you know, hours upon hours. Um so that's kind of, you know, my career and then I I retired in 2012. Um I was I raced for about 4 years with two kids. Uh I found that particularly challenging the last couple of years of my Racing career were very tough, uh, just from mostly from a recovery standpoint, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and, uh, anyway, retired at age 38. Um, it was great. I went out on my own terms. Uh, I picked Ironman Canada. It was my first Ironman. I picked it to be my last one. Um, came fifth and, uh, felt really good about that and, and then hung him up. And I, I always laugh because people always ask me, Oh, do you miss it? Do you miss it? I'm like, No, are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> I was I was so done when I was ready to be done. So um, anyway, that kind of that's the long way of of telling you that that's how I got into coaching. I never really had full intent to get into coaching. To be honest, I didn't really know what I was going to do after after racing. I had you know I have a university degree, so I had a few different options that I could have exercised. But coaching was a fairly natural space for me to go into. I think as an athlete, I had always and thought pretty deeply about why I was doing stuff and what we were doing and, you know, tried to be a student, uh, of, of the sport. Um, and so the transition to coaching was fairly natural for me because I, I'd, I'd always appreciated and tried to understand, you know, the why behind everything. Yeah. Um, and so that, you know, that kind of, you know, I took on a couple people early on in my, in my last, uh, couple of years of racing And then that, you know, became, you know, two people became three, became six, became eight or nine. And then I was like, oh, okay, well, I I clearly have something here and I should make a business out of it. And I think the big uh, thing for me that's been really great is is actually learning about business. Mm. Um, You know, that's uh, for a lot of athletes that come out of whatever sport they're doing and get into coaching, um, that's one thing cause you understand the landscape. There's, you know, no situation you've ever been in that you can't relate to, you know, good or bad. Um, but the business side of it was, was brand new to me. And, uh, I, that's the part that's actually really been fun for me because I'm, I'm so new to the game. I mean, not so much anymore, but, um, you know, learning how to set up a business and run a business and, you know, all the ins and outs of, of that stuff I've found, to be as fun and challenging as the sport itself, yeah. um, so that's also been been great. So anyway, there's the uh, the long winded version of how I've I've ended up with a coaching company, and we're we incorporated in 2012. So we're uh, we're coming this in September. We'll have, we we will have finished our seventh year. Uh, as a business and it's it 's gone great
0: so amazing and I actually always joke about um, the world doesn 't need another triathlon coach but i 'm very glad <laughs> i 'm very glad that you uh pursued that because you definitely have some talent in it but uh i 'm going to give i 'm going to give a bit of an insight into why um, why this um, conversation and why this show and also kind of why I decided to you know, make a comeback quote unquote, um, into endurance sports and multi-sport. And I hesitate to use the word triathlon because, you know, most of my goals as you'll learn are, um, based in cycling, but I also want to be able to, um, function as a multi-sport athlete. I don't want to just be a single sport athlete. So, um, well, here's the here's the reasons that I jotted down. And this, this the idea for this actually came on the first run that I was doing, um, which you kindly uh, programmed for me. But um, the first one was that I was super motiv- motivated and inspired by people around me. So, you know, living with my wife, Lauren, and she trained for the Boston Marathon, and she's got a busy job, and we've got a two-year-old daughter. And just seeing the way that she was able to integrate sport into life um, really motivated me to want to do that myself again. Um, so that's the first one. Um, the second one was I was really, I felt like I was losing touch with myself. I feel like, um, people are best when they are, um, working towards a goal. And I felt like I hadn't really had a decent goal or a goal that I was super excited about for a couple of years now. Um, and I was really concerned with that. And it actually came from a conversation I had with Steph Corker on her podcast where, um, I was... Um, concerned about like not being able to quantify success in life and you know struggling with identity and things like that and I really um quickly realized that like i 'm the only one that can control that like i 'm the one that can be in charge of how I identify with myself or what I judge as success um and then looking back at when I did feel successful in my life, it was because I had a goal and it wasn 't necessarily an identity it was more so just like you 're driving towards something, so that was another reason um and then the third one was really about ego. I did the land run one hundred uh, gravel cycling race a month ago in uh, Stillwater, Oklahoma, and um, I did you know I did some decent training before that. But looking back at the log, like the training log, and it was maybe like three or four days a week of riding, and there was no structure, and it was just kind of doing what I felt when I felt like it, um, which you know isn't always the best. But um, so in reality, I wasn't super fit for that race, but. Seeing people kind of ride off uh, after a hundred and you know hundred k's uh, when I still felt okay but couldn't sustain the effort was you know I, mm-hmm. I, I had a bit of an ego hit there. I'm like oh man I wish I could I wish I could be able to continue on here. Um, mm-hmm. And knowing that I'd already kind of signed up and committed to stuff uh, later in the year, I was like I don't want to you know I don't want to keep having those feelings where you show up and you're like you know I'm not really here for anything. I'm just here like that. I didn't want to do that anymore. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then another one was like actually losing touch with athletes that I interview so working and building in a voice I get to talk to incredible athletes uh, you know pretty much every day of my life and whether that's elite performing you know world champion level or weekend warriors who are really still dedicated and focused on a goal I found myself Mm -hmm. sometimes questioning like why would you bother like why are you doing that to yourself and I'm like ah okay like I'm starting to lose perspective on what it actually takes to be a performer at any level so um Mm -hmm. they're Mm -hmm. the they're the kind of the four things that i really identified on why and then the the last one is some accountability i think it's super cool to like have a coach like yourself to be accountable to be accountable to yourself but now the seven people seven people that will also listen um to this will i'll also be accountable to them um which i think is really cool
1: yeah, yeah. You, you know what? You hit on so many great things that are fairly typical of, of people's motivation um, to, to to get a goal and and to get serious about it, even if that goal isn't paying your bills. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um. And and that's you know, I found over the years, it, you, you know, probably everybody who we work with uh, would fit in. You know, their motivator would fit into one of those five things. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, you know, pe- people, they, they like to, to point them, you know, point their arrow at something, you know, I, I'm, I'm fairly typical of the guy you just explained that really doesn't have anything I'm pointing at. I'm quite happy with that right now. I mean, I have, I, I have a little competitive outlet with ice hockey, which I really love. Um, and so there's, you know, some motivation there, but in terms of swim, bike, run and all the things I used to do in that space, there's, there's no, you know, pointing an arrow. And sometimes I do feel like, I huh, you know, I, I kind of yearn for that, that direction again. I mean, I'm not, I don't yearn enough to actually, you know, uh, you know, sign up for a race yet. And, but I think maybe in the future I will, I was, I wasn't burned out at the end of my career, but I was definitely, I definitely needed a break. Yeah. Um, and I sort of I, I felt like I'd burned all my matches in, in that 20-year span. So yeah, um, but I do feel, feel that pull every once in a while to have a target and to get structure behind it. And I think, you know, you hit on the five things you hit on. Uh, you know, my motivation would fit in there somewhere for sure. I think uh, structure is great. Uh, accountability is huge for people. Um, you know, even, even I still stay fit. You know, I'm, I, I do a workout every day. Uh, but, you know, running especially or those endurance sports, especially, they usually just default to the same pace every time. You yeah. know, yeah. <laughs> I kind of, I, I head out there and I've got an hour to run. So I go run for an hour. And, you know, if I look back over three months, they were kind of all the same. Yeah. You know, there, there was no variation. There was no, real deeper challenge. It was just to stay fit. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: and so I think that's what, uh, it's nice when you have something in place that, uh, challenges you each week and that you didn't have to prescribe to yourself. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, you feel an accountability to me now mm-hmm. because, you know, my, my eyes are on you. And, and so there's like, we're, we're funny humans because often we're, we're more accountable to others than we are to ourselves, which is odd. Um, but we, you know, if you have to meet somebody at nine o'clock for a run, they'll probably be there at eight 50. Yeah. Right. And if you have to start a run on your own at nine o'clock, yeah, nine, 10, nine, 15, <laughs> nine 30, you know, the day can get away from you. So totally. I think that accountability piece is massive for people. So true.
0: Yeah, yeah and I I agree and I think um you know looking back at the work that I did before Land Run it was very much what you described it was you know I have an hour or an hour and a half a day um and it ended up being the same ride the same route this, probably the same pace um yep. you know, and you get to you get to that you get to the race and you and you are in a in a place where you have to dig a little deeper or there is a challenge or it's above you know, an easy ride pace, and all of a sudden you don't have that ability. So, um, you're right, and I think, well, let's I guess kind of looking back at the last two weeks, and the goal of this program I think is um, to answer a lot of questions that people listening probably will have, answer questions that I have, um, and and help kind of you know disperse some of the knowledge. Because what I felt, you know, I was out on that first run in the first week, um, and I'll describe the session in a moment, but I was like, man, I don't. I don't necessarily feel like an athlete and I have an immense amount of knowledge and experience in this sport. So if I feel like this when I get started, then I can only imagine what someone who isn't literally brand new to um, having a program or endurance sports or training for something would feel like. So, um, you know, the extra motivation to want to help uh, other people um, is a big part of this as well. And, you know, that first run, um, which, you know, I... <laughs> it's funny looking at, but five minute walk was the start and it was 10 by one minute run, one minute walk followed by a five minute walk, cooldown for a total of 30 minutes. And yeah, <laughs> um, you know, like coming, I've done nine man's, I've been to Kona. I don't consider myself a natural endurance athlete. I feel like I have a natural ability to get fit fairly quickly, but starting there um, could have been super humbling to the point where I'm like, screw this. Why would I even bother? But Um, I haven't been running and, um, it's, what's important to note is that you were able to identify that with me and say, well, you know, let's start from here and we can build from there. There's no point running, going out. And this was, I think what a lot of people who may have experience would do, um, would they would probably either decide to change that workout or they would just go out and run for 30 minutes and then be sore for Mm -hmm. seven to 10 days and not be able to do it again. Yeah. What, what yeah. was your kind of thinking going into that, you know, knowing that I haven't been running, um, I'm a bigger guy. I don't necessarily have, um, recent history in running. Like what was your kind of thoughts around starting from that, uh, you know, uh, uh, essentially from, from scratch?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. And, um, you know you hit on a couple of things, and uh, you know even when I was programming that workout, I was kind of laughing to myself because I'm like he's either gonna do this or he's just gonna laugh and run thirty <laughs> minutes straight exactly what he said because it's so conservative,
0: yeah,
1: it's so conservative like i- f- I am fully aware of that, and I'm also fully aware of your history as an athlete and and looking at that uh you you could consider it a joke, but I see that you have like adhered to the program, which is great yeah, and uh you know, the the biggest reason, there's a few reasons. There's a few red flags that go off for me when I'm looking at somebody. So, you know, there's always an intake process where we kind of establish where people are at. Um, but running is, is the biggest one for me. If somebody hasn't been running consistently for a long time, and that's what you identified. I mean, it had been months, I think, since you said you've been running,
0: uh,
1: a long time, uh, you hit on another thing, you're a bigger guy. So that's, that's also a factor. um, and so to start this conservatively, uh, in my opinion, was really important because the biggest, the biggest uh, uh, contributor to injury and running is impact stress. So you, you've been riding your bike a ton. You're a fit guy. You're naturally fit. You're still pretty young. Um, so fitness isn't a problem. Your heart and lungs, are they're fine. Like you can go ride your bike for 100 miles on gravel for five plus hours or whatever that takes. And you know, it's not an issue, Um, but that impact loading. So think about running. You're, you're taking your entire body weight. You're launching yourself into the air and you're landing on one leg and you're doing that repetitively over and over and over and over and over again. And I mean, I run very consistently, but even if I miss like a week of running for some reason, that first run back always feels a little wobbly because of, of the impact load. So impact in running is hands down like one of the most important factors that you have to consider. So when I'm taking somebody in your situation, high level of fitness, tons of experience. I mean, this is not your first barbecue or whatever that expression is. (laughs) Um, You know, like this isn't new to you, but um, you know, you still have to start very conservatively and you'll notice the other stuff we didn't really, you know, like biking, they're good to go. So the biking volume and mileage is, is high uh, you know the weight room was another place you indicated you hadn't been in for a while so uh, that's starting very conservatively and then in the pool you're more of a natural swimmer but there's no impact in the water yeah uh, I know your stroke mechanics are good because I've seen you swim that's sort of your background Um, so not as much issue there but running of all of them was the one that was going to get you in trouble yeah um, and before you know it you're going to be doing like 60 to 90 minute runs I mean it's This this phase is going to go by quicker than it might feel like it's going to go. And if we look at your timelines, that's another thing too. Like we always map things out back to front, and really for you, uh, it's all about biking, you know, basically for the next few months. And then you know, in in early August, you've got a ten k that you want to hit out. So our timelines are really healthy for this as well. Yeah, Um, there's no rush to kind of drive impact into your legs we can be super conservative at the beginning and 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 avoid uh the risks that come with you know throwing a bunch of higher volume or longer runs at you all at once you know we don't need to do that we can be smart
0: yeah, I think that's great. I think um, I was, you know, I, I look at it and I, and I, you know, you giggle to yourself, but then getting out there and you run for one minute, and you're like, oh, man, this is pretty tough. And then you walk for a minute and then you can yeah. continue to do it. Like, it's not, you know, when you haven't been running, it's not like you can um, just go out there and, you know, some people can, but I can't. but um you know, and the gentle progression over the last couple of weeks has been amazing. Like, you know, start with one one minute and then the next run session, I think we had a couple of two-minute runs in there and a one-minute walk. And then last week was uh, three by eight minutes with two-minute walk. And then I've got a run later uh, today that's um, six by four-minute run, one-minute walk. So it's kind of like it mixes it up Um you know, I, every time I go out, I get to explore a little bit further in the neighborhood, which is really cool to see. Um, so, things like that. Mm. And, you know, I'm determined um, to get greens in Training Peak. And I think that, you know, there's no point. I, I wouldn't be respecting myself. I wouldn't be respecting you if I just decided to go out and do whatever I wanted to because that hadn't worked for me. And, um, you know, I, I, you said something earlier that I really liked. I don't have to think about it. I I open up Training Peaks. I look forward to the workout for that day, and I don't have to necessarily like cook something up because you've already done it for me. And it has, and it's not, and it is focused on the goal. There is a reason why that workout's in there. It's not just okay, go and ride up a hill and you know whatever. There's nothing like that. It's it's all very well thought out and determined. So I want to honor that thought Mm -hmm. that you've put into it.
1: Yeah, totally. And I think that's the the absolute most essential thing if you're going to jump into a, a coached relationship is is just that, is to kind of... If you're going to commit to a coach, uh, is to jump in with both feet, you know? Yeah. Uh, trust trust of the process they're laying out is sound and, you know, has been well thought out and uh, I particularly am big on working it back to front or front to back or whatever. I mean, you start with the end in mind. It's like what one of Stephen Covey's, like habits of successful people. (laughs) Um, You know, you start back to front and you, and you map it out in a smart way. And then, you know, from the athlete's side of it, the more you can kind of release your own, you know, anxiety or tension around, you know, what's, what's going to happen and just buy in for, you know, obviously if you buy in for a couple of months and it's really not working or you don't feel good or whatever, then maybe you have to start looking at it. But um, there has to be, you know, at least some time where you really give it a chance. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: and uh, you know, because the the other thing with the way things are structured is we're also paying a huge amount of attention to stress load and recovery. I mean, that's is like the most fundamental basic principle of training is uh, you stress the body in a certain specific way, and then you allow space to recover and rebound, and that's ultimately how you adapt to new fitness levels. So. Um, in the background of this is not just a random kind of barf up on the on your workout schedule. It's like well thought out uh, from a microcycle. So what's happening in each week to uh, the the bigger cycles, you know, monthly, you know, even multiple months or even a year. You know, that's all been mapped out to account for the amount of stress we're going to apply to your body and the amount of space we're going to give you to recover. Um, and those are just like like so critical. I mean, this is like. We're going to progressively increase the load that you can handle. So you've, you mentioned as in the, those walk-runs, you know, the, the interval length is getting a, a little bit longer, as is the amount of time that you're actually spending running during a session.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and once we've kind of established your ability to sort of in, handle impact again, uh, then we can start, you know, throwing more significant workloads at you like you know, some intervals and hill workouts and, you know, all the other things that are fairly typical to a run program. We we need to build up your tolerance for impact first. So time that goes into it, and as you said, you know, just taking out the guesswork and the best strategy, you know, from the athlete side is just to dive in, you know, jump in with both feet (laughs) and give it a chance and really, really just let, you know, follow the program. Yeah. It's your best chance of success.
0: Um, Which brings me to uh, last week's, swim workout on tuesday um so a week ago today i got an email uh and it had um i should have brought it up but it it had um wear socks don't ask questions just do it (laughs) for some of the (laughs) swim workout so i was like perfect this is a great opportunity for me to trust and just go ahead and put socks on at the local ymca and start swimming so i did that um i didn't ask any questions but i'm gonna ask now why socks (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, listen, the, 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 um, the practice of using some kind of resistance in swimming is not new. And certainly socks was not my idea. I mean, I'm poaching that from, uh, you know, from stuff that I've seen and, and heard that works as well. Uh, but it's, it's just a great way to add resistance. And it adds it in a place that's super annoying to add it. I mean, if anybody's ever swam with socks or shoes on, it's just the most awful feeling uh, you know, you you're creating this heavy, uh, you know, you know, highly resistant thing in water, which already is highly resistant. So what you get from it, A, is a bit of resistance. B uh it challenges the you know the lower half of your body to be in you know, it it it, it makes it harder to put it in the right position. Uh your kick goes all out of whack like it's just not a good feeling at yeah. all yeah um and then but what we're looking for is that when you take them off you have like a real heightened sense of, of what's going on down there and and the the results are pretty dramatic i mean you can get people who are suddenly you know you know they the hundreds they do after or the, you know the swimming they do after without socks they just feel amazing first of all the body position feels great they feel they just have a heightened sense of awareness back there yeah um i don't know what you noticed i mean you're what, what did you notice that,
0: that, what do you think yeah i definitely felt that resistance uh i felt like it was more uh, i had to consciously think about um keeping my feet um higher and not letting them drag below the surface of the water so you know in um consistently kind of thinking about bringing those feet up which I think is a good thing for most people who are maybe new to swimming or triathlete swimmers where, you know, it's the, the dragging of the feet along the ground that's the most inefficient effectively. So um, it was, it was I guess, maybe the resistance and then just the thought pattern of better body, body positioning. And then you're right, once you take them off, you're kind of like, oh, you know, you, it's freeing and you feel like, okay, now I can feel my kick a bit better and my body position feels a little bit better. And um, so, yeah, that was my experience with that. Um, with that work
1: yeah yeah and um you know that's that's kind of what we're after just a heightened sense of awareness and we do it in the other sports as well you know like uh i'm trying to think of an example i mean big gear work on the bike where you're increasing resistance or even just doing hills where you know it's it's hard from the get-go or you know we used to ride you know through the winter months we used to ride very heavy Uh, bikes with fenders and bigger tires and they were just slow bikes so then
0: you know you get on your
1: race bike in the spring and you'd feel like a million bucks so you know part of it's a training effect part of it's a sensory thing um and uh but you know it's it's an it's an effective way to get a get a result and it's also kind of fun and different you know training training doesn't need to always be uh straight up you know boring although that that is very effective as well
0: (laughs) well that's actually brings me to a that point exactly brings me to a thought i had on Mm -hmm. sunday so i had a a longer ride workout and included um five by uh, 15 second max effort sprints every two minutes followed by 20 minutes at a you know a steady heart rate of 120 to 125 which we've identified as you know a heart rate uh, zone for me to be working in on that kind of steady endurance based level. Um, mm-hmm. but so during those 20, well, two things on that one. So by the tw- the 25th time I did a 15 second max effort sprint, I was pretty cooked, but then to yep. then kind of get into that, you know, lower aerobic heart rate zone for 20 minutes at a time. Um, I, I was like, man, I'm bored. Sometimes I was kind of looking around being like, man, I'm bored. And then I was like, ah, uh, I understand. Because in a race, you want to be bored. You don't want to have to feel like you're always on the edge and you don't want to always have to feel like you're you know, constantly paying so much mental attention to everything that you're doing. There, there is going to be times in a longer race like an Ironman or like a long you know, 140-mile gravel race, which is what I'm kind of getting ready for, that you're gonna have to be bored, and you're gonna get have to get used mm-hmm. to that feeling and that mental kind of um, sensation of just you know being in it. Um, and I'm guessing mm-hmm. that's a part of that session as well.
1: Yeah, totally. And uh, you know, I I like inc- including those sprints just sort of as a way to have that in in the week because I think that really high end stuff is is really valuable. And in terms of its relevance to what you're doing, I mean, you're essentially doing a bike race. I know it's on gravel, but uh, there's definitely moments throughout those, I'm sure, where you're having to pin it to stay with groups, and we want you to be able to access that that higher end stuff in order to keep yourself in the game. Yeah. Um, and we, but we also want you to be really efficient. Uh, you know, down around your first uh, ventilatory threshold, which is you know, there's a couple different thresholds, but that's you know, the the your your strong aerobic ability is is down there. Um, so that's just a way to make a, a three, you know, three, three and a half, four hour drive, you know, go by a little bit quicker. Like it's, yeah. it's, uh, you know, it's always changing up. You're never doing anything, uh, you know, the same for too long, but it's also relevant. Mm. It's also working, working on an energy system that, um, sometimes we neglect as endurance athletes, but is, I think very important. Yeah. So,
0: Yeah, I I did enjoy, and I did enjoy the fact that I, you know, you mentioned it, I was constantly kind of thinking about what's next as well. So, you know, watching the clock and making sure you're, you know, maintaining that heart rate effort and, you know, 20 minutes isn't a long time before the next effort comes around. So traditionally, you know, a lot of people will just go out and do those endurance rides and it might, and there's a place for it, but it might be just like four hours at the same heart rate zone. And that's obviously really boring, but um, this kind of kept my attention uh, at all times as well, which which most of the sessions or all of the sessions have done so far. There's there's always something to be thinking about um, throughout, which yeah. which I really enjoy.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I, I think uh, that's part of the point as well, right? Like we want to
0: keep you engaged. And,
1: you know, one of the other things I'll do is throw in, uh, you know, if somebody's got a long endurance run, for example, we'll throw in like 30 to 60 second pieces with frequency um, in there, but partly as an added training stress so that they've got to go a little bit faster and then settle back in,
0: yeah.
1: you know, a, a little bit lower, um, partly to break it up so that, you know, if you're doing two hours, uh, you don't kind of switch off. Cause sometimes when people switch off mentally, they, they get sloppy, they get lazy, they get, you know, they get a lot of things that aren't conducive to good training, like uh, ultimately even over Two three hours, we want you to be mechanically really efficient and like like technically really good. Um, we want you to be focused. So a set like that kind of keeps bringing you back there, right? Like you you can't just doze off and yeah. soft pedal for two hours. You you you, you have to kind of stay on it. And uh, cycling's you know something like this. Like when you're doing you know really short harder efforts, you're going to be recruiting at a much higher level level. Um, you know you can't soft pedal when you do that and that often transfers into uh, just better you know uh, what I think better technically throughout uh, same with running you know like if you run really slow it can get a little bit sloppy yeah you know you can kind of get a little bit compact and you're not kind of as upright and proud and tall And um, but if you throw a little bit of faster stuff in there with frequency like your whole yeah all the biomechanics shift a little bit and, and you're, you know, you're kind of running in it with a, with a better form, a better gait, a better technique. So there's all that component as well. Um,
0: yeah, so love it. And then, um, I guess some of the a couple of the other highlight sessions that I have really enjoyed in the first two weeks, um, was getting back in the gym and those foundation, um, training or the foundation strength programs. I actually noticed the first day I did it, I was very sore for probably you know 36 hours afterwards. But then each yeah. time I've um, done those, I mm-hmm. haven't had the soreness that I've experienced after that first session. And I also feel more stable, you know, even after the four kind of initial um, workouts. Uh, I felt like it is tra- you know, and maybe just a mental thing, but it feels like it's translating into strength. Um, functionally in during my rides and my swims and, and runs and things like that so that's been they've been really good and they've they were always something that i neglected even when i was competing it was always the first thing to go off the schedule when you get busy you know you take the strength workout off first mm-hmm. and and then go for the rest of it so i'm determined to really make sure that i include those and i've, I've really enjoyed those so far
1: yeah, I think you're fairly typical of endurance athletes in general, which is, as you said, the first one to go is the strength component because we don't value it as much if we're going to be triathletes, you know, swim, bike, run is the first thing on our mind, and if we're going to be cyclists, then cycling is and um, but I've always long, firm been you know been a firm believer in the strength component, and that goes back to my earlier years as an athlete, as a as a downhill skier, where the strength component's huge. But my early influencers in terms of my own coaches, uh, you know, were very big on that, um, and I always had tremendous success. And the years that I neglected it were years that you know didn't go as well. Um, and, and what's, what's been, you know, I used to actually take some, some flack for that, uh, back in the day because, you know, some of my, you know, uh, my teammates or whatever thought it was a bit of a waste of time. And, um, but I would always adhere to the gym and now I see more and more of it. I mean, if I look at the social media feeds of some of the top Ironman athletes or cyclists or whatever, Uh, a lot of gym shots now that I never used to see, Um, and very traditional posterior chain work, you know, like, like big movers, like squats, and like, all these things that I used to do, Um, and, you know, I had some years where I'm like, yeah, I wonder if this is the right thing to still be doing, and um, so now it's kind of, you know, there's a reinforcement there, at least from some of the top athletes, which is nice, but, um, I, yeah, big believe the the stronger your platform can be like physically, the stronger your platform can be. I think the more opportunity you have, uh, for everything else. So the more opportunity you have for endurance and speed and all these other things, uh, that we want, um, I do really think that a strong body is a, is a great, uh, you need that. Yeah. Um, and like, you noticed, I mean, uh, just like the running, the, the strength stuff we have you into now, I mean, you identified that you hadn't really been doing any strength work for, I think it was at least a couple of years. I can't even remember. Yeah. But it was a long enough timeline that I'm like, we have to start you very gently. And, and we are. And wasn't it amazing that even on a on a fairly gentle intro here, uh, you are uh, still sore? Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah and you know? it just goes to show I – mean, well, it really goes to show that um, – you can do so much without having, you know, without even thinking about the, the the platform that you create and the strength work and and the smaller muscles. And actually, thinking back to my racing days in in Ironman and triathlon, I feel like some of those things that would come up later in a race, you know, tightness and um and things like that in in certain areas probably came from that lack of core strength. And when you're exerting yourself over, a, you know, a four and a half to five hour bike ride. Um, And then, you know, going into a a three to three and a half hour run, those things come up um, more than they would in a training uh, when you're training, um, even at like Mm -hmm. race pace for a a long distance, uh, you know, for a long time. Um, And so Um, so I'm very determined to make sure that I do stick to that because I'd want to see how my body responds. Um, You know, it hasn't, it's Mm -hmm. been, the the last time I was consistently in the gym really honestly was when I was a teenager training for, you know, getting ready for Australian rules football, which was my main sport. And, you know, that's obviously a very strength based sport as well as endurance, but that's the last time that I was really consistently working on that. So, you know, I want to give it a shot and see how much of an impact it really does have.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Um, you know, it, it's great. And as I said, I mean, the things we have you in now, you know, for well, for the first four weeks is, is very gentle. It's kind of just to prime your body and actually get you ready for, for the real stuff, uh, which starts in May. We actually get into some, you know, more significant, uh, loading. Um, and so what you're doing right now is just creating a foundation that you can then apply more load to, um, and and learning some of the technical stuff. So a lot of this stuff is uh, very low weight uh, movements, but movements that you'll eventually load with. Yeah. Um, and when I say load, I mean like increase the amount of, of weight you're using. Yeah. Um. So I think you know if we look long term, if we look, you know, we're kind of your your bigger events are you know in that third week of August. You've got a real doozy. Uh, that 141. Miles with nine thousand feet of climbing at nine thousand feet altitude, or something, right? (laughs) It's it's like bananas. It it checks all the all the boxes for challenge, and uh, but by the time you hit there, you know your strength training will be quite robust, and you will have had some really good weeks under your belt. And I really think it'll help. Yeah, I I think it will help. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, I believe so. And I think, um, you know, looking at the last two weeks, uh, twenty sessions in total. I have one red. Um, which was on Sunday, a recovery swim that I missed. Our daughter was unfortunately sick, um, so I did a little a handoff so my wife could put her feet up and prepare for uh, the Boston Marathon <laughs> the next day. So I felt okay about missing yeah. that, uh, but it also pains <laughs> me a little sure, bit. I'm it sure. pains me a little bit to have a red in there, if I'm going to be honest. Now, um, what would you recommend for people like me who see one workout missed and they're kind of like losing their mind? When there was 19 other greens that were, you know, pretty pretty good workouts. um, Looking back on it,
1: I think it's you should pretty much just pack it
0: in. I mean, (laughs) we're looking for perfection here, (laughs) guys. Game over. We're done here. We're done.
1: (laughs) We're done. You had one chance. One chance. (laughs) No, but that's such a great question. And oh my gosh, is it ever? This is one of the most challenging things with people. Is to get them over the idea that it has to be perfect because it doesn't, and it, nor nor will it be. I mean, the the reality is we're not robots. So uh, we're humans. We live in a human body, uh, you know. And and training, it's. I mean, if you're perfect for a long time, that's super rare. Even the even the best athletes on the planet uh, aren't perfect. And and training programs ultimately kind of live and live and breathe and move with you. Um, you know, you can have, I can have an idea of what we need to give you. Um, we, we go at it for a couple of weeks and then we tweak it a little bit and we make it more for you just based on any number of things, based on how you're recovering, based on your life. I mean, you might come back and say, Hey dude, like I just can't do this much with Mm -hmm. my life. I got work, I got family. And, um, so there's, the point is there's no right or wrong exact answer, and I, it is definitely a trap to want it to be perfect all the time. And as you said, I'm looking at your program right now, and you're all green. Uh, for those that don't really know what we're talking about, in in Training Peaks or some of these online platforms, uh, if you complete the workout as scheduled, you know the box turns green. So I'm looking at a screen, and it's all green except for this one uh, little red workout here in the in the bottom right corner, uh, and that was Sunday. Um so, I totally get it because we you know our our minds can kind of get fixated on the one thing that we missed and it yeah. can lose track of the nineteen others that we did really well and you know you've done incredibly well uh in the first two weeks here. It's so consistent uh you're hitting the key workouts that recovery workout um you know of all the workouts in there, yeah, they're all sort of important but it was like the least important the most mm-hmm. important thing was that you got that ride in yeah you so so you can ask yourself this uh, you miss that workout but then you relieve your wife from a kid with a fever so she can get up the next morning and do the biggest marathon on the planet. I'm pretty sure he made the right decision, <laughs> you know. So, yeah. so take some comfort in the fact that you were a good human being, yeah, and not a jerk, yes. you know.
0: <laughs> Thank you. So, no, you're right, and I think that that um, it, when you explain it and you look at it, it's of course it makes a lot of sense. But you know, as an athlete with goals and, de- and you know determined and dedicated and things like that, like most of the people who listen to this will be. Um, you know, I was even thinking like, oh man, where can I slot that in next week? Like, can I shift yeah, that and maybe yeah. slip that in somewhere just so I make sure I get that in there. But, you know, to, to put a full stop on this, when things like that come your way, life throws a challenge at you. You just move on, right? Like there's no point in just you you know, shifting it and trying no. to like juggle it all in. Cause then all of a sudden in three yeah, weeks that. time, you've got 44 workouts to do because you're trying mm-hmm. to fit everything in.
1: Yeah, as a, as a coach, this is my one of my biggest pet peeves, is when somebody misses a workout on a day and they think it's okay just to move it to the next day and suddenly the next day they're doing, you know, maybe that happens a few times and now they're doing six workouts in a day trying to check all the boxes. I mean, this is absolutely ludicrous. Yeah. It's like the, the worst thing you can do because, as I said before, it's all about uh, training stress load. And if you put all of that stress on one day, you're either going to get sick, injured, or the workouts are going to be crappy. Um, and we don't want that. So in your case with this one, you just, you just move on, leave it, Let it let it go. Uh, the only time I would restructure, let's say is, you know, if you had a really key long, long bike workout that we needed to happen, you know, a few weeks out of your big event and you couldn't make it work on the Saturday. Um, but we really needed you to have that training stress load. Well then, yeah, maybe we move it a day because something came up. I mean, this is a rare circumstance, but in this situation, yeah, man, you just move on. Move like, on. don't even... The other thing that's so funny about training programs with people is that if I didn't put that swim in, so I could have chosen not to give you a swim on that day, and you wouldn't be thinking about it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, yeah. I would have been high-fiving myself, being like, oh, another great week. This is awesome.
1: Totally. <laughs> so I'm not trying to say it's arbitrary, because it's not, but it's, uh, you know... Just because it's in there and it it didn't happen, it doesn't mean you hang on to that one
0: yeah. at all.
1: It's a, lesson in, it's a lesson in letting go. That's yeah. what you need to, to get from it.
0: And I think um, it actually goes back to a point that I think you may have skipped over earlier, but I wanted to emphasize is um, there's so many generic training plans out there that people can pick up a plan and just go for it, but it doesn't factor in things like where you're starting from. It doesn't factor in things like your history and your experience. It doesn't factor in... Your specific goals. It doesn't factor in life, um, and I think mm-hmm. that a lot of times people can get caught up in, you know, I didn't do it, or it doesn't actually necessarily fit their fit them right from the start. So they're doomed for it to fail. Um, so that would, you know, be my point. Is if you're listening to this, or you are considering, you know, going after big goals, even just have a call with a coach, or just reach out to someone to see that you know of course there's an investment in it and then of course there's you know other factors that go into it but if you're able to have someone looking at it and crafting it and moving things around and assessing and judging for you rather than just printing out from triathlete magazine i think you're going to be better off um no matter which way you go
1: yeah, I I totally agree. I mean, I think that's the, the, the real art to coaching and, and setting programs is just that is to take someone's entire situation into account and make it work within that context. Yeah. Um, and you know, that's there, there's, I, it's two things. First of all, it's not rocket science because training stress is training stress. Um, but on the other hand, and to be a bit contradictory, it's, there's an art to it. Um, you know, you, you have to understand, you know, how a certain stress load is going to affect somebody and, and that same stress load might affect you differently than it affects another person. Um, so understanding the intricacies of, of that is really important. And I think that's why, that's partly why, you know, we, you know, we've had a lot of successes because our coaches really get that. And a lot of them have experience in the field. So they've, They've been there, they've done workouts, you know, they've missed workouts. There you go. So I've I've missed workouts before and I know how that feels. Um, I don't I don't like that feeling. Um, but I can relate to it and I can tell you uh that it's not the end of the world and you just move on and you know, you you you, you it's not gonna affect the big picture.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah. So totally. if, if
1: if nineteen of them were red and one was green, then we'd be having a different <laughs> conversation.
0: <It laughs> probably wouldn't be as interesting, but uh yeah.
1: <laughs> it'd yeah. be just me going, Are you serious? Or yeah. Not?
0: What are you doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, exactly well i i I want this show to be super interactive i want people to be able to um ask us questions i want uh want to be able to you know as i mentioned right from the start be accountable to my plan but also want to make it um valuable to other people so um what i'm going to offer is you know people can write in to us um and ask questions that maybe you and i can answer um you know as we go over the next few weeks and our goal is to do this weekly um so we can kind of check in and keep it up to date and and provide as much value to the people listening as as possible so um yeah I, hopefully that's uh that's something that people will be take us up on so send us an email stories at life, and we can uh we can capture those questions and answer them on the show next week but uh yeah what are the what are the highlights what are we looking forward to this week mate as we as we roll into week three of the program
1: well, you know, very, very similar. I, you know, one thing that's, uh, you can count on is that the, there'll be a consistency to the, the program. There's a rhythm to it. Uh, I'm a big believer in that. I think, I think the body likes rhythm. It likes, re- re- you know, repeating certain things, um, you know, with progressively loading a little bit more each time. And, um, so it's going to be consistent. Um, You'll get into an awesome groove. I mean, this, this, uh, weekend, you got another one of those crit races, which is such a great way to get the training stress we need for you, uh, on, on April 21st on the Sunday. So, um, yeah, you can expect more of the same. And, uh, as I, as I said earlier, it's not rocket science, but there's an art to it. So. <laughs> wow, there
0: you go love it well yeah. um uh, mate it's been great i really appreciate obviously everything um that you've done for me in the in the over the last few years and i'm so glad to be working together again as i get ready for a steamboat gravel uh august 18th in steamboat springs colorado and you know a few a few other races in between then but um yeah it's it's been great i love this format hopefully people enjoy it and uh yeah look forward to chatting again next week and uh, i'm going to throw the shoes on and go out for that uh, that run now
1: awesome likewise and this is great this is a fun way to do it and i do hope uh, people reach out because you know often uh, as a bit of encouragement often if somebody you know if you have a question about anything the chances are that the majority of people have had the same question or have had the same question so yeah uh, you know everybody's you know relating in a similar way to all this stuff. So, uh, fire us your questions and uh, we'll answer them.
0: Love it. And so, questions. Let's send them to stories at innervoice.life. And then, if people want to get in touch with you directly, what's the best way for them to reach out to you, mate?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, we're b78coaching.com, and uh, that's our, our website and all the you know all the info is there. And or they can reach out to me uh, personally at Jasper at B78.is. You heard that right, <laughs> Just B78.is. Is, is how you get in touch with me directly.
0: So, and we'll put all yeah. those we'll put all those links in the in the show notes too, so people can uh, they don't have to remember them or write them down as they're driving the car to work. So um, that'll all be linked in the show notes, and we'll do this again next Monday. Goal is we'll probably publish on uh, Monday nights or Tuesdays um, to give a recap of the week before. So. That's it for now. Uh, Perfect. All the best. Uh, enjoy this week. Let's see many, many more greens from me is the goal, and uh, I look forward <laughs> to catching up in a week's time.
1: Right on. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, It's been, mate. been uh, great catching up.
0: Yeah. Awesome, mate. We'll chat soon.
1: Okay.
0: Great. Sounds good. Yeah. That was Episode 1 of The Coaching Call. As mentioned, Jasper and I would love to hear from you. Please send your questions to stories at innervoice.life and we'll answer them on next week's show. Don't forget to follow along with my journey on Strava and social media. And remember, consistency is key. We look forward to bringing you The Coaching Call again next week. In the meantime, share this episode with a friend, subscribe, and leave a five-star rating wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Your support means a lot. I'm Travis McKenzie, and this is The Coaching Call, a part of the Inner Voice audio experience.